and welcome to the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. I'm Mark Rice, and on each episode, I investigate a different, weird, and wonderful subject. And on this episode, we are going on a hunt. And not just any old hunt. We are going on a wild hunt. We are going to join the supernatural creatures that emerge on certain nights of the year to hunt down anyone foolish enough to be walking after dark. And they include a fearsome pack of ghost-like dogs and their even more fearsome master from the underworld. And so, to begin at the beginning... And our guide for this episode is going to be an old favourite of this podcast, the Victorian folklorist Mary Trevelyan. And she tells us that these hunts take place on certain nights of the year, including New Year's Eve, which is why I thought this would make a great episode to kick off the new year with. And much like a traditional hunt, if you can picture a medieval boar hunt, it does involve dogs and people riding horses, but these are no ordinary dogs or people or horses and starting with the dogs that make up the more sizable part of this hunt the dreaded hounds of the underworld as they are known or to give them their correct welsh name the coon anun coon anun with coon c-w-n being the welsh word for dogs or hounds and Anun, which in Welsh mythology means otherworld, but is also used almost interchangeably with words like underworld and has all sorts of connotations wrapped up in it. But Anun is otherworld. And we are told that the Kuhn Anun are celebrated as spirit hounds that pass through the air in pursuit of objects of their malice, which is a wonderful description. If you're an object of their malice, they will hunt you down. And their howling was regarded as an omen of death. And as regular listeners of this podcast will know, everything in Welsh folklore can be taken as a death omen. And that is exactly the case here. The howling of the dogs is considered an omen of death which means even if you are able to outrun them, which is highly unlikely, but if you do manage to escape, just hearing that cry is enough to signal that you will not be on this earth much longer, or certainly somebody will not be on this earth much longer. Now, if you're wondering how are you going to recognise these dogs, how can you tell which are the Coon Anun and which are just friendly neighbourhood pooches that just happen to be chasing after you? Well, we do have some descriptions from people who presumably were unfortunate enough to meet them and they are slightly contradictory but to begin with we are told to quote sometimes they appear as very small dogs white as the drifted snow with tiny ears quite rose-coloured inside and eyes that glittered like brilliant moonbeams so Granted, that first description isn't the most terrifying of descriptions. They are effectively cute little white dogs with eyes that glitter like brilliant moonbeams, which makes them sound more like a care bear. But bear with me, it gets worse because in some parts of Wales, they are described as being black 
and very ugly. This is more the kind of thing we expect on this podcast. Very ugly with huge red spots or red in body with large black patches like splashes of ink. So they can be black dogs with red spots on them or they can be red dogs with black spots on them. And there's more because the most terrible of the spirit hounds were said to be of a blood red colour and when seen were dripping with gore. So that red isn't just the colour of their skin. They are dripping with gore from wherever that gore might have come from, whatever they were up to beforehand, while their eyes resembled balls of liquid fire. So if you do have to encounter the Kun Anun, fingers crossed that you end up with the cute white small Care Bear variety, not the gore dripping bright red eyes of fire variety. And to wrap up these descriptions, we're told in some places they were known as small liver-coloured dogs, all spots and spangles of red and white or flame-coloured. So, while those descriptions vary, the dogs are said to be a mixture of white, black and red colours, usually with one dominant colour and then the others in patches on their bodies in their years. And the people who encountered them tended to be travellers in lonely districts, the people who were out travelling in the dead of night, and people who lived in remote places, who lived rural lives away from the main towns. They were the most likely people to encounter these dogs. They they were the most likely to be unfortunate enough to encounter these dogs. And it was in these remote, lonely places that they not only saw, but as mentioned, they could hear these dogs howling in the night. They howled in the air with a wild kind of lamentation, or they bayed and yelled in an appalling chorus to the terror of all of those who heard them. So, all in all, not good. Not something you want hanging around the house or to encounter when you're out travelling at night. Now, I mentioned New Year was a good time to encounter them while they were out hunting, but you'll be glad to know there are many other times throughout the year you can also run into this pack of terrifying dogs. And we are told that the eaves of St. John, St. Martin, St. Michael, All Saints, which of course is Halloween time, but All Saints and Christmas, St. Agnes, St. David, Good Friday, as well as, of course, New Year's Eve. All of these nights were important occasions for the Kun Anun. So if you're particularly keen to see them, you can pretty much pick any saint's day of the year. There's a good chance they'll be out and about hunting. It sounds like any excuse for hunting. Saint, what's his name? Let's go hunting. But anyway, there's some dates for your diary so you know when to find them. And if you're also thinking where's the best place to go to find them, well, folklore can help there too because these dogs went in procession through the lonely lanes and byways of Wales. Sometimes they travelled in weird packs alone, but frequently they were guided by their master. So you'd find them skulking around the lonely lanes and byways of Wales. And the key point there was they were frequently guided by their master, because if packs of snarling dogs weren't terrifying enough, even the cute Care Bear variety, they were frequently guided by their master on these wild hunts. And he is described as a dark, gigantic figure with a horn slung around his swarthy neck 
and a long hunting pole at his back. A vivid description there of a figure who is more than ready to go hunting and create a bit of noise himself. And who exactly this figure is and what exactly he gets up to does vary from county to county. And starting in Carmarthenshire, and we are told he is represented as a fleet-footed pedestrian, a fast-moving man with two black hounds on a leash and a creature half-wolf, half-dog behind him. Yes, half wolf, half dog behind him. And there too, in Carmarthenshire, the Brennan Lloyd, or the Grey King in English, favours him and receives his hounds with those of the Coon Weber, which means dogs of the sky, in his court of the mist. And yes, there's a lot going on in that short sentence there, and there's a few names that you might not be familiar with as well. Let's try and unpack it slightly. But in Carmarthenshire, it's not necessarily necessarily a huge pack of dogs that are hunting. This sounds like a much smaller affair, just a man walking along with two hounds on a leash, but with the added bonus of some strange werewolf, were-dog sounding creature behind him, half wolf and half dog. And he is in the favour, he is welcome to visit a figure called the Brennan Floyd or the Grey King. Now, this is a figure that does deserve an episode in their own right, and I am sure they will get one later this year. But the Grey King is another supernatural creature, but this time lurks in the mist, almost wears the mist as a cloak and uses it to lure people, to lead people astray and ensnare them in the mist. And so when people are warned not to go too far up the hills or the mountains in Wales when the weather isn't great, when visibility is at its minimum, when it's a little bit misty, that is when the brain in Floyd, that is when the Grey King strikes and these people will never be seen again after entering his court of the mists. And he also has his own dogs. Again, as mentioned there, dogs of the sky. The coon, again, the Welsh word for dogs or hounds, coon. But the second word does have two different spellings, which is W-Y-B-Y-R, or it's also spelled W-Y-B-R. IR, so you've got the Welsh and the anglicised version going on. But the Coon Weber, or the Dogs of the Sky, can also be found in his Court of the Mist. But for the purposes of this episode, we are sticking to the dogs on the ground. We are sticking to the Coon Anun and their master. And moving on to some other counties, and these are the counties as they would have been a hundred years or so ago, not as they are today. But moving on to Glamorgan, Brecon, and Radna, where the master, this figure is known as the more popular Aran, Lord of Anun, and that is spelt A-R-A-W-N, the Lord of Anun. He is the master of these hounds who rides a grey horse and is robed in grey and who is not limited to these three counties. He's pretty much seen across the land and in the north of Wales, he walks or rides and is always dark and gigantic whenever seen. And we are told that in both the north and the south of Wales, he is sometimes accompanied by a figure known as Mast a Norse, or Matilda of the Night, as she is known in English. And she is described as a hag with an evil force that she uses to drive the dogs 
onwards. And I hate to keep doing this, but as you've probably gathered by now, there's a heck of a lot of different supernatural creatures on this wild hunt or involved with this wild hunt. And Master Norse, this wonderful figure, Matilda of the Night, is someone else I will return to later this year on a separate episode. So keep a list of these. We've got the Dogs of the Sky and the Brain and Floyd and now Master Norse all coming up at some point later this year. It's going to be a good year for the wild hunt on this podcast. Now, as you might have gathered by now, these aren't the kind of travellers you want to bump into on your nightly stroll, except for maybe those cute little white dogs. The rest of them, this 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 hag of the night and this king that lures you into the mist and the dogs of the sky, they're not the kind of people you want to stop and pet them and make small talk with their master or anything. But if you did, whether accidentally or not, find yourself involved in this hunt, if you did find yourself taken to the night with them, this is what would happen. And I should warn you, this is quite a graphic description. Even by the standards of this podcast, this one gets a little bit full on. But if any person by accident, design or curiosity joined these hounds on one of the processional nights, then blood falls in showers like rain. Human bodies are torn to pieces and death soon follows the victim of the nocturnal expedition. So I wasn't exaggerating when I said it's a bit full on. If blood falling in showers like rain, human bodies being torn to pieces, and then almost certain death following the expedition doesn't put you off, well, nothing will. So here are some handy hints on how you can avoid them, or if after listening to that you still want to join them, on how you can go and find them on these particular dates. And to continue, we are told that their favourite meet-in places were Crossroads, a popular place for supernatural encounters. Crossroads, and whenever their feet touched the mandrake, the latter screamed aloud. So you knew if they were nearby if the mandrake started screaming. And sometimes they frequented the graves of those who before their death had, in spirit form, visited their last resting place. And that will make a lot more sense by the end of the episode. People whose spirits have visited their grave while they're still alive, I promise you that will become clearer. But back to the crossroads and on crossroads and around graves. Crossroads and graves seem to be like magnets for them. These hounds left their uncanny traces in the shape of human bones. So they left behind some of those bones that were ripped up. There was torn up turf and lumps of earth, which when trotted upon, emitted a flame with a strong smell of sulphur. And of course, you don't need me to spell out the meaning of sulphur, a popular association with underworlds, especially in in the Christian idea of hell, smell of burning sulphur coming up from the ground. But all of these signs, whether it's finding human bones lying around, quite an obvious sign there, or whether it's treading on a piece of earth that bursts into flame and smells like the devil, they're all dead giveaways that something bad is going on and you don't want to be sticking around. Although sadly, in some cases, if they are looking for you in particular, if your name is in the book, as it were, not not literally, of course, because they're dogs without books, 
But if they're after you in particular, you might be unable to avoid them because we are told that sometimes they were known to go in pursuit of people who were doomed to die within 12 months of the processional nights. So if you were doomed to die regardless, they would track you down. And we're back to the whole death omen thing again here. But at least in this case, they're not going to kill you straight away. None of that ripping you to shreds business here. No, no, no. This is more of a polite reminder that the end is nigh, at least within the next 12 months, which frankly is the last thing you want to hear on New Year's Eve, really, isn't it? Happy New Year. By the way, you're not going to see the next one. And when they did catch up with you, they went quietly, stealthily, without so much as a faint cry to announce their approach. So they're known for their cries, but if they were pinpointing you, they would do so silently. And they were seen, not heard, as they ran quickly from room to room in the ancient manor or humble cottage in pursuit of their victim. So they were not restricted to the great outdoors, to the wilds of Wales. They were inside, going room to room, and it was stated that on certain occasions, the spirits of those pursued people were seen running out into the night, followed by the hideous hounds. So earlier, I mentioned how the spirits of someone who hasn't died yet might be seen beforehand visiting their final resting place. And here we have accounts of dogs literally scaring the ghost out of people, chasing the spirit out of them. Which, of all the death omens we've covered on this podcast, that's quite an inventive way of letting somebody know what a way to pass a message on. Now, to wrap up this episode and to wrap up this look at these hounds of the underworld, as mentioned, I will be returning to this subject several times throughout the year. But we are going to look at a story of one encounter in particular, an old mid-Wales story that describes the death of, to quote, a very, very vain lady who desired to be buried in her ball dress. So, a very vain lady who wanted to be buried in a very fancy ball dress, which I can only assume was a big no-no in the deeply pious communities of Wales at the time. This wasn't how you went to meet your maker. You did not go to see the Lord at the end in a big fancy ball gown. And why did she wish to be buried in this fancy ball dress? Well, I guess the quick and obvious answer is in the description of this lady. It's because she's vain. She is so vain she wanted to be buried in her ball dress. So vain she probably thinks this podcast's about her. And as it turns out, her wish was gratified. She was indeed buried in that ball gown. But ever afterwards, her soul was hunted by Aaron, the lord of the dogs, and his hounds, the hounds of the underworld. So let that be a lesson to you. And when the time comes, when you do have to start thinking about what exactly am I going to be wearing when I'm put in that box? Maybe you shouldn't be thinking about that expensive new pair of trainers or that very fashionable handbag. Maybe, just maybe, you should keep it simple. Keep it pious because, well, you might be hunted by spectral Welsh dogs for all eternity. And let's be honest, nobody wants that. But it wasn't only the vein who had to be wary of this. And I do feel like I'm wrapping up this episode with something of a sermon. I'm getting 
been very preachy, but you know, it's better safe than sorry. So it wasn't only the vein, and it was said in the past that those souls not good enough to enter heaven, nor yet bad enough to merit hell, were doomed to ride about following the Kun Anun to the end of all time. So if you didn't get to heaven, but didn't quite go down to hell, you could be following these dogs forever and ever and ever. And the cavalcade of doomed souls included, there's a checklist here, of the people who might be chasing after these dogs forever. And they are drunkards, scoffers, tricksters, attorneys, parsons' wives, and witches. So, if there are any drunkards, scoffers, tricksters, attorneys, Parsons' wives or witches listening, and I know for a fact a good few witches do tune in. Well, I've got some good and some bad news. The bad news is that you might be spending eternity with these hounds of the underworld. That is the worst case scenario. But the good news is that this is no longer the 19th century, and we shouldn't be judging people on old-fashioned stereotypes. And as I've said before, all of the witches I know are lovely people. All of the parsons' wives that I know are, well, I don't know many parsons' wives, but I'm sure they are also lovely people. Even the drunkards I know are all lovely people. Heck, maybe even the attorneys. Let's all just get along. And I wasn't joking when I said this does feel like it's descending into a sermon now. I'm sure you will all have lovely afterlifes, and that's probably a good place to wrap up this unintentionally feel-good finale to the first episode kicking off a new year. And on that cheerful note, we've reached the end of another episode of the Ghosts and Folklore podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode and you haven't already, please consider pressing the subscribe button. As mentioned, there will be a number of follow-up episodes to this coming up over the next 12 months. There's a lot more to talk about with the Wild Hunt and the colourful characters who go out hunting. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do that by rating it and reviewing it and telling all your friends about it. And if you really want to support the podcast, if you really enjoyed it, you can treat me to a coffee via my website, which goes towards maintaining it and is always very much appreciated. If you'd like more ghosts and folklore, you can follow me on social media. And as well as this podcast, I've also written a number of books about similar weird and wonderful subjects which are available from all good bookshops offline and on. And on that note, it just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening. Dioc and Varion Amrando. I've been Mark Royce. This has been my Ghosts and Folklore podcast beaming to you from Wales to the world. And remember, if you are a vain parson's wife, if you are a drunken attorney, even if you're a scoffing trickster, there is still time to change your ways. Until next time, no star. No star.